0: Father, we do thank you now, just that uh, after a somewhat lengthy pause, we're able to once again meet together and continue on in our study of these principles of spiritual growth. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, a salvation that isn't just about a ticket into heaven. A salvation that's about a whole new life for us, right here, right now. Lord, we thank you that you have shared your very life with us. And Lord, we're thankful for your Spirit's presence within, his tireless work as he seeks to conform us to the image of Christ, so that others might see that life in us. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to teach us this morning. Lord, we do want to be just open and receptive to your Spirit's ministry within. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're in chapter 15, the chapter on rest. Uh, Of course, it's been a few weeks since we've met together. Uh, Hopefully, we haven't forgotten too much of what we've been learning. Uh, Again, Uh, This chapter, like every chapter before, is going to fall back very heavily on the issue of faith. uh, The first chapter we dealt with in in the book. You know, faith, we've seen, biblical faith, is putting our confidence in the very statements of God. uh, That true biblical faith always has facts behind it. It's not just... Uh, a strong wish, it's not the way we'd like things to be, uh, It's what God states. And of course, as we get into this chapter today, we're going to be once again just considering uh, some of the precious truths that we are to rest on uh, as we move forward in the Christian life. Now the chapter opens, it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into the rest. Hebrews 4, uh, 9 through the first part of verse 11. Now here the writer of Hebrews, you know, calls our attention back, I guess, to the time of creation. When after God spent six days creating, he rested. Uh, He didn't rest because he was exhausted. Uh, He rested because his work was complete. And so he uh, just ceased from his labors. He ceased from what he was doing. And the writer of Hebrews says that there is just such a rest for us. That as believers, there is a rest. There is a point where we are meant to come to where we cease from our labors. And where we begin to uh, just uh, put our confidence in the completeness of God's provision. And so... He's, he talks about laboring so that we might enter that rest. Now, Stanford here... Is this not moving forward? Why is it not moving forward? Oh, goody. Let me start it over again and see... Stanford says, so many of the life-giving truths in the Word consist of two intertwining halves that are inseparable. And the two intertwining uh, halves uh, that we're looking at here is let us labor, therefore, to enter into rest. You know, labor and rest. uh, uh, They're uh, inseparable, but they are incredibly different. There's a big difference between laboring and resting. But he says, as for the labor, it's true that there is a great deal of struggling and searching and pleading and agonizing in the process of discovering and understanding the truths fitted to our needs. And I would suspect every one of us in this room have been down that path. A path of struggling and and searching the scriptures, you know, pleading with God at times and and agonizing over, you know, uh, uh, what is God's provision for this? You know, there's a, a a lot of labor to coming to know and understand all that we are and have in Christ. Um and he says, and much of the same pathway is trod or crawled in an effort to appropriate and enter in. But he says, you know, all is this is not in vain; it is necessary. But this next statement—it sounds a little like double talk—but uh, he says, but it's not. The key that opens the door to the to reality. The rest is the key to entering into rest. Rest is the key to entering into rest. The labors of our Christian life are important. We can't, you know, in any way um, disregard them or downplay them. They're important. But he says the key to rest is rest. And, and think about this in the physical realm. You know, you know, you can struggle and struggle and struggle, but try to struggle to rest. You know, if you're laying awake at night, you know, how can you work at resting? You know, rest comes when what? You cease from all the labor. You let go. You just rest. Now, in day-to-day life, again, our labors at times are important to bringing us to the place of rest. A lot of times, we truly rest when we've exhausted ourselves. A lot of times we won't rest until we have worn ourselves down. And then there comes that place where we we say, I just can't go anymore. And we just let go and we rest. Well, in a sense, that's what happens in our Christian life. There's a lot of laboring and things that go on in our Christian life. But the labors are not what bring us into the reality. The labors may bring us to the the door of that reality, but the reality comes when we cease from our own labors and we begin to rest in that which God has done and that which God has provided. Now he says, in the important, again, he's not downplaying in any way the, the labor part of our Christian life. He says, in the important but exhausting labor process, we come to see the needed truth. We become sure of the facts. We begin to realize something of what is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says during this, this very exhausting labor process, it brings us at times to seeing the the truth we need. Again, uh, we've seen all along that, you know, God's provision is only appropriated when we see our need of it. And a lot of times it's our struggles in the Christian life, and as we're trying to produce and trying to produce and trying to produce and finding ourselves unable to produce, then we begin looking for God's answers and we begin finding God's answer. We find the truth. We find the facts of what we have in Christ. And this is important because he says the appropriation of, and we spent a chapter looking at appropriation. Appropriation is what? It's taking hold of something that is ours. Uh, appropriation is not getting something new. It's, uh, it's us taking possession of what is ours already in Christ. He says the appropriation of, And the resting in the reality must be on the basis of faith, not struggle and labor. He says, we are told to reckon, and the word reckon means to count as true, we are told to reckon on what we now know to be true in him as set forth in his word. Again, the importance of Coming to, through our struggles, through our labors, coming to see what the Scriptures have to say to us. The things that Scripture tells us are ours. But the appropriation of these things is based not on our labors, it's based on our faith. Taking God at His word. Believing that what he said is true. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. We, he says, are to quietly and steadily look to our Father in confident trust. And thankfully receive that which He has given us in His Son. Again, the struggles bring us to this place. But the key to rest is rest. It's coming to that place of quietly and steadily looking to our Heavenly Father. Confidently trusting Him that what He has said is true. What He promises, He will deliver. You know, we cease from our seeking to produce to trusting Him to produce in and through us what we cannot. He quotes from Psalm 104, 27 and 28. These wait upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. Thou givest them, they gather, thou openest thy hand, they are filled with good. The psalmist talks about waiting upon God. What, that he would give in due season what they needed. And that's where rest comes in with us. Now I like this example that uh, he goes on to set forth. He says, Norman Grubb shares a good word on the principle of labor and rest. He says, take as an example the learning of a foreign language. You are faced with a series of hieroglyphics in a book. You hear a medley of sounds around which mean absolutely nothing. Yet you know that it is a language that can be learned. More than that, you've gone there to learn it. Now that is the first rung of the, the ladder of faith. You know, it's got facts it's got, you know, it's not just uh, believing something real hard. There is a knowledge that it is a language and that it is capable of being learned. However, weak or waveringly, in your heart, you do believe that you can and will get it. Otherwise, obviously, you wouldn't try to learn it. So you plod on. Many a time, faith and courage fail. The mind is weary and the heart is heavy and you almost give up. But not quite. To give up is face unforgivable sin. On you go at it. Months pass. It seems largely to go in one ear and out the other. Then, the length of time depends on the difficulty of the language and the ability and the industry of the pupil, of course. A miracle seems to happen. The day or the period comes when, without you hardly realizing it, what you are seeking has found you. What you are trying to grasp has grasped you. You just begin automatically to speak the language, to think it, to hear it. What was an incomprehensible jumble of sounds without has become a uh, an ordered language within the mind. I think that's a good example. Uh, I think people who have learned other languages will, te- will testify to the fact that, yeah, you struggle and you struggle and you struggle and for a long time you're constantly translating things in your mind. You're thinking, okay, you know, here's the English word. What uh, What's the word going to be? You know, here's how we say it in English. How should I say it in this language? But the day comes when you when you cease doing that, when you just know the language and you speak in the language, and you know i've you know we've known a lot of missionaries who have lived in a lot of other languages and some of them, after a while, you'll be talking with them, and they'll say, I really don't know how to say this in English. Uh, you know, uh, they're thinking in another in this other language, and they know how to say it in that language. But they say, I really don't know just how to word that in English. Uh, you know, we, uh, we used to go to a conference in Germany, and there was a German couple there. Uh, well, I mean, they were an American couple, but they worked in Germany, and. And Jonelle would get a kick out of, she'd be talking with her and she'd be in English, German, English, German, English, German. And she wouldn't realize, you know, she's talking in two different languages. Why? Because they both were so much a part of her that she wasn't really thinking, uh, you know, am I saying this in English or saying it in German? Uh, she was thinking basically in both languages and and just rattling it off. And he's saying he's comparing that. He says, "Okay, look in the Christian life, there are these truths that we see in your in God's word, and for a while we have to constantly, constantly, constantly remind ourselves of them. But the day comes when." these things become so much a part of our thinking that we no longer remind ourselves of them. I think later, you know, he, he talks about uh, steps of faith. <clears throat> and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But he talks about, well, justification. He says that's one of the first steps. Now, you know, when we first got saved, uh, well, I mean, I, I take it for many it even goes before justification. In a sense, a lot of Christians all they understand is, is forgiveness. You know, they, they don't understand justification even. Uh, you know, they get saved and and uh you know they're uh told that Christ has paid for their sins. Well for a while they struggle with with believing. They have to constantly remind themselves Christ died for my sin, Christ died for my sin, Christ died for my sin. But over time, you know, it comes to the point where they don't have to remind themselves of that. They know Christ died for their sins. Then comes justification, which goes a little further. Justification has to do with the fact that we stand uh, before God clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. That when God looks at me and He looks at you, He sees us as righteous. Now when we first hear that, you know, we struggle with believing that. But we see it in God's Word and we we remind ourselves of it and we remind ourselves of it and we remind ourselves of it and I'm struggling and I'm failing and I'm sinning and I'm confessing and I have to keep reminding myself, you know, yes, I might have sinned but in the eyes of God I remain righteous based on my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hopefully as you grow... There comes a point where you don't have to remind yourself of that anymore. I mean, I don't have to get up in the morning and remind myself that I have a righteous standing in the eyes of God. I will oftentimes thank Him for that fact. But as I go through the day, I just know in my very heart that... I have a righteous standing in the eyes of God. And there is rest there. I am not struggling to believe this. It's become part of my my whole uh, view of things. And so that's, you know, what he's trying to use this language example to show us that, yeah, early in our Christian life and as we're growing, there are truths that we see them in God's Word, And, you know, at first we struggle to believe it, but then we come to to the realization, God said it. He calls upon me to believe it, and I'm going to believe God. (coughs) But at first, we have to constantly come back and remind myself, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God here. I'm going to believe God. I know I'm struggling. I'm struggling to see how this is real. But I'm going to believe that if God says it, (coughs) it's true. But over time, that struggle will cease. And you will come to that place of rest. So he says, you know... He says, so it is, in the spiritual labor of faith, the moment or the period comes when we know. Yes, faith starts with a lot of struggling, a lot of struggling to believe. But he says, in the labor of faith, the moment or period comes when we know. When we don't have to struggle to believe it anymore. It's become real to us in our hearts. He says, every vestige of strain and labor is gone. He says, indeed, faith as such is not felt or recognized anymore. So what does he mean by that? He's saying, we come to that place where I am I, no longer having to say, I need to have faith, I need to have faith, I need to have faith. I so have the faith regarding those things that I don't even think about it. I don't have to think about the fact, I have faith that that I'm justified. No, I just realize in my very heart that I am justified. Now, certainly it is faith that's behind that, but he's saying, you come to that place where, where you even cease to recognize faith. You just realize this is the way you see things. And so he says, A, uh, you know, the channel is lost sight of in the abundance of the supply. It's no longer about my faith. It's now about God's provisions and me resting in them. Rick, yeah. I
1: was just thinking about Paul and, you know, so and, he, and you know how Paul uses the word boast? I will boast. But he's always, if you look at it, he's boasting in in Christ, in what he has in Christ. Um. And what God's done in his life. But I was thinking in all of this, we have this basis that you're talking about here. For life and godliness as we come to believe it. And then it spills over into everyday day, life things, doesn't it? Because we realize, well, if I can trust God with my very spiritual life and my eternity, I can trust Him with these things that so easily entangle me. Hmm. And it's just a blessed thing. And people notice, you guys know what a mess our world is in. And if people see rest and peace in us, it's they notice, it. they wonder why. And it's just an incredible opportunity, and uh, we've seen that song. And even, it was a real sweet thing to me that one day one of my grandchildren was, came to visit, and she walked in, and she said, Granny, it's so peaceful. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, that's about the best compliment ever. Mm. And just wanted to be that, because my grandchildren, and my children, and my friends, and Which all of you are, we're facing a lot of stuff, but here is our place of rest. And nothing touches us that is not sitting through His hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're there. We're there. We have the rest that this world does not know. And I do pray every day that myself, I'm not there yet, and all of us will be such a restful. Even in the things that just say, "What am I going to do? This is impossible." Well, I could rest in the Lord and watch. My own. It's
0: an exciting life to live. Now, moving forward, he says, "As we came to know that we were children of God by inner certainty." A witness of the Spirit in our spirits. And I hope each of us in this room are at that place, you know, where, you know, we, we know with an inner certainty. You, you, we aren't having to (coughs) question, am I a child of God or am I not a child of God? Hopefully the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, witnessing to our spirit has brought us to that place where we have that certainty. I am a child of the Most High God. He says, so now we come to know that the old eye is crucified with Christ and the new eye, uh, a, 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 the new eye has Christ as its permanent life. Spirit with spirit have been fused into one. The branch grafted into the vine, the member joined to the body, the problem of abiding becomes as natural as breathing. Now he goes back to this issue we've been dealing with a bit. The the fact that, you know, we have been identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And, you know, I have the old man being uh, held on the cross. And just like we came to understand with certainty that we are a child of God. You know, as we struggle with this, you know, when we first hear this fact that I died with Christ and was buried with Christ and was raised with Christ and now have new life in Christ, at first it's, it's, it's a struggle to believe. <clears throat> but as we do, you know, day in, day out, year in, year out, as our minds, uh, as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, just like we came to have a certainty regarding our being a child of God, we also come to have this certainty <coughs> regarding the fact that I am now a new creation. That once I, who I once was, was dealt with at the cross. That I now have a new life that's hidden from me with Christ in God. That begins to become my way of seeing myself. But it doesn't come with just reading the passage in Romans one time and saying, oh, I'm going to believe that. You know, I read Romans 6, you know, that we died with Christ and are raised with Christ. And, okay, God said it, I'm going to believe it, I go on, never struggle with that again. No, we struggle with it. We labor to believe it. But just like with each of these other things, as we labor, the labor is important, but the key to rest is rest. It's when we come to that point where we cease from laboring and we actually just begin to rest in the reality. It's interesting the way he, he says, the branch grafted into the vine, the member joined to the body. The problem of biting becomes as natural as breathing. You know, we don't think about breathing unless we stop And I say something like that now, we're all thinking, we're breathing. You know, but most of the time you go through the day and you never think about breathing. Unless you're having difficulty breathing and then it becomes overpowering thinking about breathing. But uh, most of the time we give no thought to breath. Yet it's very important. And he says, you know... This is where rest comes into the Christian life. When some of these truths become so much a part of us that we no longer, it's just like breathing. We we don't think about it. We just know this, it, this is just the way we look at things. They've become a reality to us. And so he says, Thank God for the needs that just will not allow the hungry heart to stop short of finding them met in Him. Once again, the importance of needs. You know, it's the struggles in our Christian life. It's the failures in our Christian life. It's these things that bring us to that place of finding God's answers in Christ. You know, if if we got saved and life went along with a song, we would miss out on so much of what we have in Christ. We would just coast along. But God has so much for us in Christ. And it's the needs that cause us to search out and appropriate those things. And we're reminded that God only reveals spiritual truths to meet spiritual needs. Until you see the need of something, God is not going to reveal it to you. It's only as you see that need that he'll guide you to his answer in the word. He says, How many rest at the initial stage of the new birth, begotten again, of incorruptible through the Word of God. Says, so, you know, how many Christians just stop here? You know, at uh, it's enough for them that they understand that they're they're born again. You know, that's as far as they they want to go. You know, Janelle's grandmother. She was one like this. She said, "I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. That's all I want to know." And she was one miserable person who made everybody around her miserable. I mean, she knew nothing of uh, of, of these. You know, the the just the wealth of uh, spiritual provision that was hers. So this is how many rest on the initial stage of the new birth. Begotten again of incorruptible seed through the word of God. And fail to press on to know begotten by the resurrection of Jesus unto an inheritance. It's not just our ticket into heaven. It's it's to a whole rich inheritance that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, you know, going back to the beginning of this paragraph, you know, how many rest at the initial stage of the new birth? And in many instances, sadly, some stay there because they're never told there's anything more. Uh, all they ever hear is the, the uh, salvation message. They hear it over and over and over again. And so they never go beyond that. They're never told that there is so much more to the Christian life. And they need to be told that. They need to be shown that. You know, last week uh, when I was sharing the service, I talked about Charlie Jones. And, you know, uh, Charlie told me one time, he said... You know, when your dad first came to town, he spoke at a men's group we were at. And he said, as I listened to him, I became aware that what he had was very real, and I wanted it. And he said, I looked your dad up afterwards, and your dad got me in the Word. And I came to see, you know, just all that I have in Christ. But see, up to that point, I don't think anybody had told Charlie there was more. But he said, "I I listened to your dad and I could see he had something. And it was very, very real. And I wanted it. And, you know, I hope that each of us in this room grow to the place that people see in us something that's very real. And if all they've ever heard is the birth truth they'll come to that point and they'll say, I want what you have. And I, I want to learn of the provisions God's made for me so that I can move forward and take hold of that rich inheritance I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, through the years, the hungry-hearted believer finds he has been brought a long way, and each step of the way has been personally experienced reality that springs from faith founded on the facts of the word now we keep going back to the fact that faith is based on facts it says each step we've taken is always based on the facts of the word he says the more clearly we enter by faith into objective truth or that which is true of us in Christ the deeper, more experiential, and practical will be the subjective work in it. So the more we come to understand the facts of who we are, what we have in Christ, the more those things will begin to impact us in an experiential, practical way. He says, and the more complete... Uh, will be the manifestation of the moral effect in our life and character so you know a lot of people want to think about doctrine as oh that's that's great for you know uh, the theologian or, or this or that you know where's the practicality of doctrine well you know, doctrine, the word doctrine just is teaching. And the teaching, the facts are important. Times people say, I just, you know, I just want, you know, you know, some application. You need the facts before you can have the application. I'm not saying application's not important. But we have to know the facts upon which our faith rests. And then as we come to know the objective truth, the facts of what's true of us in Christ, then these things can begin to be worked into our life. They can begin to impact our daily experience. And he says they will uh, have an increasing moral effect in our life and character. Why? We will become... More and more like Christ. The more we come to understand who we are and what we have in him, the more his life will be seen in us. Now we're about out of time, but let me just go through this one other paragraph here. He says, Yes brought a long way walking a step at a time by faith. This is where he says, you know, The rest of faith concerning our justification. We start out, and the first thing we have to learn to rest in is that we are righteous in the eyes of God. I hope each of you are at that place. If not, keep laboring forward. Keep reminding yourself of the truth of God's Word. Keep coming back to what the Scriptures say about your justification. But you are not going to rest in some of these other areas until you first rested in this area. There's a a process to it. So he says, you know, first we learn the rest of faith concerning our justification. Then we learn the rest of faith concerning our acceptance. Now, if you haven't rested regarding your justification, you're going to have a hard time resting concerning your acceptance. Once you've come to rest in the fact that you are righteous in the eyes of God, the the stage is set for you to begin to rest in the fact that God accepts you. He may not accept all your actions, but He accepts you. You know, I don't struggle anymore with whether God accepts me. I know He does. And I have peace regarding that and rest regarding that. He says, you know, then comes the rest of faith concerning our position in Christ. The fact that we died with him and were buried with him and are now alive with him. But until we've learned to rest in some of these other areas, we aren't going to rest concerning our position. The rest of faith concerning our identification with his death, burial, (coughs) I mean death, resurrection, and ascension. He says, each step established in the rest of faith brings us to the next one. Each one moves us forward. So, only you know where you are in this process yes
2: would you say say, like I guess as I'm looking at that and to try to look at it too linear and like you know you've accepted this and you you rest in this forever that's done move on to the next step I guess in my mind I feel like as far as sanctification and the reality of these things in, in my life like the appropriation of these things I sometimes feel like While I might know and believe in my head, I guess certain truths about this, these things, as far as how they're actually appropriated into my life, how they actually affect my life and the way I view things. I almost feel like in different areas of my life, I'm in different steps of that. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: because there's certain needs, like you're saying, needs that come into my life. And it's like, I have
2: to actually look at that need and say, how does the fact that I'm accepted in Christ, actually change the way I respond to this circumstance in my life? How does that actually affect my, you know what I mean? And then maybe God brings me to a place of rest in that particular area of need in my life, but there's another area of need in my life that I realize, okay, yeah, I believe I'm accepted, but I don't think I'm actually living in this area based on my acceptance. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's where, as I'm thinking this all through, I guess for me, I feel
0: like it's not like I'm done with this stuff now I'm on to the next one in my whole life. Do yeah. yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But uh, the issue is there's one thing about coming to the place of resting by faith in something, there's another thing, uh, area in which the actual appropriation of it is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: but, yeah.
0: but the, the I think the question is, you know, okay, do I struggle with believing I'm righteous in God's eyes? Or have I rested in that? Now, has that... Uh, has the full reality of that been appropriated into all areas of my life? No, that's the ongoing work of the Spirit. But I rest, you know, I don't struggle with with whether or not I have a righteous standing in God's eyes. And acceptance and so forth. Here he's talking about coming to the place of putting our confidence... <coughs> And uh, in what God has said, the appropriation is going to always be an ongoing process. As God takes each of these truths, and He, yeah, like you say, He may be using acceptance, and then this one and that one uh, in the in the process of teaching us to appropriate. But yeah, okay. Would it
1: be true? I know, real quick. Would it be true that if we're, at, if, as we see each one of these along the way? Being bad and being true, it does give us more and more rest overall. Maybe that's possible. I don't know, and I know we can't discuss it. Yeah, no.
0: yeah, but yeah, it, I mean, the, the the more areas we learn to rest in, the more overall rest there is, in a sense. Okay, well, let's, we're out of time. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you just for the, the fact that you do want us to come to a place of rest. Lord, there are struggles. We've all struggled. We still all have areas of struggle. But Lord, we thank you that the Christian life is intended to bring us to a place of rest. Where we put our confidence in you and trust you to do what we cannot do. Lord, we think of the the week ahead of us, and Lord, we know that your Spirit's going to be working in us. He's going to be using all sorts of things to teach us and to bring us to a place of deeper dependence. And Lord, we just pray that we would be uh, responsive to his promptings within. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.